For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Coming to you live from Los Angeles, California, welcome to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Smith. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gerald Smith. Uh, before I get into introducing my guest for today's episode five, I want to give a, a very special uh, and you know heartfelt message out to the city of LA who lost one of our own, uh, very special Hooper Young Lafayette Dorsey um, out of LA. Rest in peace, bro. Uh, we love, we miss you. Um, everybody down here is going to take care of your fam and uh, you know we'll see you soon, bro. Um, on, the, on that note, I want to introduce my next guest, uh, Mr. Shannon Evans. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. Can't complain. How are you? I'm all good, man. I'm all good. I appreciate you for hopping on the pod and talking to us today. Um, Most definitely. You all, you all good, safe and sound in quarantine. How's your family? How, how's everybody on your end? Family safe, man. I really can't complain. Uh, we're just staying out the way, trying to stay safe. Uh, my mom, parents working from home. That's a blessing. So yeah. everything is good on my side. Yeah, same situation, same situation. I'm uh, I'm cooped up in my room. My pops yeah. is in his little office. My mom is at her desk. My sister just graduated from college, so she gets to sleep all day. Congrats, um, congrats. That's a big step. We just trying not to not to drive each other too crazy over here. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, are you back home in, in uh, Virginia? Yeah, I'm back home for uh, – I leave, fly out Monday. I'm headed to France Monday, so got okay. a few more days at home with the fam before I no head doubt. out. No doubt, no doubt. We'll get into that um, a little bit later. But uh, kind of, you know, just to get us going, kind of walk us through uh, your path coming up in Virginia, bro. Like, I, obviously, I'm from L.A., from the West Coast. I can imagine the basketball scene out in Virginia is a, a lot different. Uh, so kind of tell us about your your amateur career, your your high school career in Virginia. Yeah, I'm from a small town in Virginia. Uh, we really don't have too many hoopers. So I'm, me and my, my best friend are probably the, the two biggest out in our city, Andre Jones. And uh, kind of grew up not really getting recruited as much. I uh, really didn't have much going for me. But I love the game. I love working. I love getting better. I love seeing myself improve every summer. And I, I just stayed with it. Uh, I got a chance to go to uh, Hargrave Military Academy out of, out of high school. My parents, they really put some money together and, and family, friends, you know, everybody chipped in and allowed me to, to pay that big fee to go to Hargrave. So I, I went there. Then from there, I connected with a guy named Bobby Hurley. And I just feel like when I met him, he changed my life. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just to, to take, a, take a step back a bit, um, kind of tell us what that year that you spent at Hargrave or, or the time that you spent at Hargrave, how did that really um, help, to set, help to shape your mindset and, and your game, you know, going forward? Looking, looking uh, I just play – I play with a, a lot of high-level guys. Like I said, I was under-recruited. So, when I got there, there's guys – you might know Terry Rozier – I played yeah. for the Hornets. He was there with me. Uh, Anton Gill played at Louisville. 
Dante Clark, he was committed to Virginia Tech, Greg McClinton, Wake Forest. So we had all Neville Fincher, Kansas State. Wow. So we had all these high-level guys there. And seeing how they worked out every day and their commitment to the game, it rubbed off on me. And I already love the game and love getting better. So it was just a plus. Man, mm-hmm. it just really helped me. And uh, and we'll get in we'll get into kind of your road through college and and when you linked up with Bobby. But before going to Hargrave, uh, was there any you you mentioned that you were really under recruited, and that's definitely something that I can attest to as well. Um, right. But were there any schools at the time that that were looking at you, some offers that you may have turned down um, to go into Hargrave and kind of give yourself that that extra? I stuff? had. I, it was crazy. Was I had a football scholarship to North Carolina Central. Okay. Yeah, and I was a D1 at HBCU, but I just didn't like the all the work that it took to go to play football. You know, <laughs> I didn't like the, the summer camp being out there yeah. all summer in the heat. The, you the know, the locker room, the guys, big guys always playing, they're sweaty. I, I didn't like all that. So I yeah. like being in the gym with the AC. I, don't, I like getting to it that way. So, yeah, I just that that's one offer I turned down. And I had I think I had a little interest from Howard. I had a few more HBCU football interests. But that, that's all I had. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And uh, so before, you know, obviously you just discussed why football wasn't the, the natural path for you, but what, what, what kind of set, set your love for basketball apart for your love for football? Because, you know, I'm sure it was, wasn't an easy decision for you to stop playing football. Right. Too, at that point, you had put so much into it. I, honestly, because I, I played football and baseball my whole life growing up from, I feel like, seven years old. Six, seven years old, I was playing baseball and football. And I, I actually started playing basketball, taking, taking it seriously in eighth eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So I just felt like I was tired of the other two sports. I've been playing it for so long, and basketball was new to me. And I was getting better every summer. I, actually, I seen myself as just catching guys and ranking and things like that. Yeah. So I just felt like it was just more new and fresh to me, and I, I just liked it. Okay. All right. Cool, cool, cool. So kind of fast forward a bit. Um, you're at Hargrave, um, and then, you know, going into college, you mentioned connecting with a, a very, very legendary man by the name of Bobby Hurley. Um, I feel like I don't even have to explain the impact that he's had on the game of basketball, whether that be college, For professional, sure. um, anything sure. at all. Um, so why was Buffalo your initial choice? Was it Bobby that kind of drew you there? or were, were there any other actually, schools on so your Buffalo, they had Coach Witherspoon. I'm not sure if you know him or not. Him and Coach Turner battle. Turner battle. He might be a UAB now, mm-hmm. but those two were the the coaches then, and they just came and see me every other week when I was at Hargrave. Like some some schools like Moorhead State, Appalachian State. It was all mid majors to low major schools that were coming to talk to me, but they were just consistent, calling me every day, coming to see me every time they could. I just I'm a loyal guy. Like if you're with me from the jump, I'm be with you as well. So they were just with me from the jump and. I committed to them. Then that year they got fired. So I wanted to open up my recruitment. Then that's when Coach Hurley got the job there. Then when he got the job there, he came to my house. And my dad, my granddad, they're huge Duke fans. Like, I grew up loving Duke. So I didn't really, I, I really didn't know too much about him because, you know, he played in the 90s. Yeah. So once I, I, I looked up the history, I seen everything he did, I'm like, yeah. I kind of want to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a get to play for one of the one of the most storied point guards in college basketball history. Exactly. It's not too bad. Exactly for sure. So tell us a uh, uh, a little bit about your relationship with Coach Hurley. Like, how did playing for him kind of help shape your game? Was there anything that he kind of instilled in you from the jump that you feel like? Yeah, you the ultimate confidence. He he gives me the 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 most confidence anybody ever gave me besides my mom and my dad. So. 
it's it's I mean it, it was a work in progress. It wasn't like the first day I got on campus, we were best friends because I remember sometime I, I was I was pissed off at him. I'm like, I want to transfer, you know, being a, a freshman, being a baby, coach you get yeah. on your heart and you're pouting. So I, I went through all those, but once you once you realize it, like he wants the best for you and he pushed me in ways I've never been pushed before and he believed in me. He never told me anything wrong. He always wanted the best for me. And the one thing I like about Coach Hurley is he he gonna he gonna get on you hard, but he's never gonna make it personal. I yeah. feel like some coaches, you know, they might hold a grudge or, or make it personal with you. Like he'll get on you, but he'll also bring you to the office afterwards. Like, look, man, this is this is what I need from this, that, and the third. It's not personal. It stays on the court. And I feel like that just went a long way with me. And from there, it just – I mean, now that's, that's my best friend. Like, I yeah. can legit say he's, he's my best friend. He'll be, he'll be at my wedding and, and all those things as well. That's my guy. That's what's up, bro. That's what's up. And I feel like even at that level, you know, it takes so much. Obviously, we know having played college basketball, but it takes so much passion to, to invest in the game. Like, at that point, I feel like people don't necessarily look at college basketball as a business, but they look at, like, the league as a business. Like, college basketball right. is very much so – a business you know what I mean like exactly, you put in those sure. hours nine to five whether we practice weight room film session or just having those conversations with a coach and uh, exactly. a lot of people and like, like you said game. like you're with your your team and your coaches almost every day like every day for a lot amount of time is this weight room film practice getting up extra shots going up talking to coaches in the meeting room like you're with that so now I've been for five years so those five years we we grown a lot and yeah. you know it's, it's a great thing today yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so, I mean, I don't really have to get into your career at Buffalo much. Those first two years, uh, your first year, you averaged a, a decent average. But that second year, uh, your sophomore season was kind of like a, a big, you know, transition period in your career for you. I think you were second team All-MAC that year. Right. So kind of talk about, you know, what was, what was your experience playing at Buffalo like? It was great, man. Like I said, it it was like one of the best experiences I ever had. Just coming from small town, going to a Division One school. Buffalo is pretty big. It had like 30,000 there. So that was a big school at, at one time for me. And the fans, they're, they're real loyal fans in Buffalo. Buffalo fans are, are, are very loyal. And like I said, uh, the Bills weren't doing too hot at the time. You know, they're doing better now. And I, I like the Bills, so they're good. And, and the Sabres, I think they were maybe the worst team in the NHL at the time, too. And my sophomore year at Buffalo, we were the only team that, that was winning in Buffalo. So, yeah the whole city rallied behind us and, and the love we got, it was, it was unbelievable. It's something I, I can't really ascribe. Yeah. That's similar to, I think my, my junior year at UCLA, we went and played, or no, my senior year in UCLA, we went and played out at university of Kentucky, bro. And mm -hmm. when I tell you like the atmosphere out there, like they treat Kentucky, like it's the, the number one for sure. you know, thing for sports out there. Like it, like you think they were a pro team inside that arena. Like it's, it's no, I, I played it. I played in Lexington. Uh, yeah. They're definitely. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's different in there for sure. That shit is sick. That shit is sick. I totally <laughs> understand like, you know, that, that kind of feeling where it's like, you know, the, the city really rallies around a team like that. That's gotta exactly. be like a real special environment. Exactly. Very special. Yep. So what was your transition like um, from MAC to the Pac-12? Did did Bobby leaving kind of make it an easy decision for you to, to head to ASU in the Pac-12 or was it tough for you to leave Buffalo? Kind of talk about that. Yeah, it was it was definitely tough because, like I said, I'm a loyal guy, but it just kind of like where your loyalty lies, you know? Yeah. Uh, At that it, point, it's, it's like, are you loyal to Buffalo? Or are you loyal to Bobby? 
Exactly. Are you to, at the end of the day, so, are you loyal to yourself? Like the, the best opportunity for you? For me. And, you know, and I knew with him leaving, if I opened up my recruitment, I knew he would, he would give me an offer. And, you know, I, I tried it. I tested the waters. And as soon as I got my release, that Arizona State offer was right there waiting for me. So, yeah. Yeah. And were there, did you entertain any other offers from any other schools or kind I of? I did just there? because I was never a highly recruited guy. Mm. You know, growing up, I never had offers coming in. And when I got my release from Buffalo, I had every, I had Virginia Tech, I had Miami, I got a call from Louisville. I was getting calls from almost everyone. It was like, yeah. yo, I never had this before in my life. Like, what yeah. in the world? But I had a, I had my boy Max Hazard, uh, who went from UC Irvine to University of Arizona. I know Max. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. Max. That's my yeah. boy. Yeah. yeah. He went to uh, U of A. Yeah. So I had Max yeah, on the pod last week, and we were talking about kind of his experience in the transfer portal and how it's like outside, you know, looking in. Nobody really knows what goes on during that process. Exactly. But he was telling me as soon as he got done talking to compliance and the release went through, like his phone would not stop ringing. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And, and I, I just like, I love that. I never had that experience. So I, I wanted to, I want to try and see what it was like, but in back in my head, I knew where I was going. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So that first year, or I guess, did you have to sit out a year when you first got to ASU? I did. So I had to sit, I sit out one year and I played two. Okay. Okay. So when you were able to play again at ASU, were there any challenges that you felt, you know, oh, you faced man. between the two conferences, any advantages that you thought you had, or was yeah. it kind of like, since you had that year to prepare, did you feel like you were you were prepared enough for the for the changes? Yeah, I was, but there's nothing like just playing in you know in the Pac-12. Just you know you can practice a whole year, but when you're out there, like I said, it it was no off night. Every night you had to bring it because anybody can beat you. Uh, I feel like in the Mac we had to you know go play ball state. You know we can go chill. Yeah. And there's a few teams Miami of Ohio, we might Northern Illinois. There's a few teams that we we knew that we we were just better than. But I feel like in the Pac-12, it's like every night somebody coming at your neck. So, yeah, yeah, it was definitely different. But you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I made that that change. Yeah, yeah. And did you feel at any point that playing at ASU under Bobby was different than playing at Buffalo under Bobby? Nah, he never changed up. He always been the same coach, high intensity, and, and wanted to win. And the way we prepared. Uh, our practice plans. I feel like everything was the same. Like it was the same, just different people. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, you were on some some pretty solid teams um, those two years that you spent playing at ASU. Uh, kind of talk about what it was like to play with guys like uh, my guy Jerry, uh, who I, Jerry I know Blake, you know, Jerry Blake's uh, LA yeah. legend, Inglewood legend, and Trey Holder sure. also out Trey of LA. Holder, yeah. What was it like yeah. to play alongside those guys for, for the time? Uh, first, Jerry, like you said, Inglewood, he's a hard-nosed guy. And I, I got the utmost respect for him. That's a, the way he, he approaches the game and the way he works. So, you know, just like I said, being around him, it, it was great. And he was older than me as well. He played – he had a year under his belt, I believe, when I got there. So he kind of knew how it went. So I, I, I learned a lot from him. Then Trey, I played – with Trey, I, I sat out with Jerry, so I only got to practice mm -hmm. when Jerry was there. But I actually played two years with Trey, mm -hmm. and that's my dog, man. Like Trey's yeah. a killer, so yeah. I mean, like learning from him and and how how he did things, he learned from me. It, it was great. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Um. Well, shit. I mean, I remember coming up in LA at least with both Jerry and Trey, but me and Trey are a bit closer in age. Um, mm -hmm. Like you said, just a dog, bro. Like twenty four seven. His motor is insane. 
Like I remember when we would play uh, ASU when I was at UCLA, like it felt like it was the same thing from when we was at Rancho Park in LA. Right. Like, constantly going, constantly hitting shots, picking up full court. Like his motor is insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I like, feel like he, he's a baller. He's like one of them when the lights cut on, Trey cut on type of guy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love that about him. I love that about him. I love, I love the fact, you know, I, I, when I, when I heard that Bobby Hurley was going to ASU, I really loved that decision for him just because right. I knew the history that ASU had recruiting, you know, dogs like that, like real hard-nosed dudes that are going to get after it every That's single night. Thing. And like you said, the Pac-12 is a, one of the toughest conferences in the world in itself, but I feel like ASU really sets itself apart by, you know, having guys like you, like Trey, like Jerry, they're just going to go after it every night. Exactly. And like I said, like now, like, you got to give credit to guys like Jerry, Trey, Cody, because now they're getting rec top recruits. And yeah. They got – they're loaded this year. Loaded. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give those guys, you know, Jahi, Carson, you got to give those guys their flowers, man, because they, they took the bullets for everybody. Yeah. So, so we we had some, some, some horrible years, not going to lie, and it was <laughs> – it was tough going to practice in there, knowing Curly is going to kill us, you know. But those those days set it up for times like this where we got a nice recruiting class coming. You got Joshua Christopher, Remy Martin, Marcus Bagley. Yeah, You got some guys in there that's, that's really about that action. So I'm yeah. excited for them this year. For sure, for sure, for sure. Um, so I think I remember uh, your senior season at ASU. I think it was either the same year as mine or was it 2018? So maybe it's the year after I graduated from UCLA. 20, yeah, um, 2018. Yeah. Yeah, so 2018. At that, at that point, um, you're averaging about 16 a game. You had a, a couple 20-point outings under your belt. Um, as as the season progresses and, and ends, you know, what's kind of going through your head right now at that point about, like, possible transitions to the next level? Were there opportunities right. that kind of started to present themselves, whether it be the league or was it straight to overseas? And yeah, I thought well, on one point we was like number three in the country. And I'm like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna get an NBA opportunity, you know. Mm -hmm. Then we play U of A December 28th, 29th, I believe, and we lost. Then went to Colorado and Boulder, lost. Then we play Utah one. Then we would just we'll win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And we was going but going into U of A, we was thirteen and zero or twelve and one, one of those. So we was undefeated number three. Then it just like everything just start going downhill. And I remember Trey being on draft boards and he fell off draft boards. And it was like man, like you know everything just changed. And I really feel like if we would have finished our senior year better than what we did, it would have put all of us in a better situation. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, I'm definitely grateful for getting a, the hungry job and being able to pr pr pursue my dream of being professional. And it's, it's setting me up now. But, you know, I, I really regret not finishing my senior year the way I should. You know, I always have them doubts and, and things like that. But, yeah. you know, you got you to gotta live with it for sure. Take the bullets and keep going. Yeah, yeah. And after that year, um, I think I read you played summer league that year, right? I did. I played huh. – I practiced somebody. I didn't play one minute in the game. So it was like, I don't how, know. It was like a horrible. Like, how how humbling of an experience is that to go oh from my playing gosh. a whole the game? The most humbling. The yeah. most humbling ever. Like that humbled me for sure. It humbles you, but at the same time, it makes you hungry. Like they still counting me out, you know, things like that. So I, I still I still keep that that summer league thing in the back of my head, and I feel like that's what wakes me up every morning and get me to the gym and make me put that work in. Cause 
I know deep down there's people out there that don't think I can do it and things like that. So, yeah, 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 yeah. no sure. doubt, no doubt. I mean, uh, we talked a bit about what ASU meant for you. We talked a bit about some of your teammates. We talked about uh, Bobby Hurley and the the emphasis that he's had on your career. Um, I read that, you know, you really took the time to get close to a couple of different pros during your time at ASU and kind of throughout that transition um, through ASU and then to the pros um, that you leaned a lot on guys like James Harden. So what, what, what did that relationship mean to you, you know, as you're kind of establishing your career, kind of figuring out what those next steps for you, how, how's a guy like that really helped, you know, mold, mold your mindset and mold your game? Uh, just somebody you can talk to, you know, with things. I remember when things weren't going right for us in our season, he would definitely give me a call, like, like hang in there, you know, get back on. You know, just just encouraging words from people that that does that do it, you know, at the, at the highest level. And uh, just seeing his work ethic, the way he go about things, and, you know, he's a, a role model, you know, and something you would want to strive to be like. Yeah. For sure. So uh, that first league that you played in was out in Hungary. Um, kind of talk to us about how you right. adjusted to life and, and hooping overseas. It was definitely different. The language barrier being one, uh, then the time zone. And I, I was in a small city with probably like two grocery stores, uh, three restaurants. Everything closes at eight, eight o'clock, nine o'clock. The whole city shut down. Like there's nothing you can, can't even go outside. So it was definitely another humbling experience. But uh, like I needed it. it Teach me how to be a pro. I, I, I just got in the gym more, worked on my game and things like that. I met a lot of great people as well. So, you know, at first I'm like, man, it sucks. Like, what, what is this, you know? But after I matured more and just got in the gym, I feel like it worked out for me because my second year I won MVP of the league and I advanced. Now I'm going to a higher level in France. So, I mean, I needed it, you know? I needed it. Yeah. yeah. Were there any – that being your, your first experience – you know, outside of America with, with the, uh, in a league with basketball, were there any major differences or challenges that you felt that you, that you faced with just, you know, the game itself? Uh, yeah, those guys are, are strong and they're real fundamental. Uh, I feel like in, in America, we're more athletic and even, even we're more ISO oriented or we, we want to go one-on-one and things like that. And they're more of pick and roll, you got to read where the help come, coming from, make the right play type of thing. So it definitely made me a smarter basketball player by being there. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, well, you touched on it too about how your next uh, stop is in France. Uh, I think it's a, a pro A league out in France. Um, and we know with COVID, the way that it's affected basketball as we know it, whether it be playing without crowds or, you know, some leagues shutting down, not playing at all. Um, obviously, you mentioned that you're shipping out uh, on Monday. So how – how has COVID kind of affected your, your career plans or the plans for the upcoming season, if at all? Uh, well, it definitely, I was supposed to leave Sunday, but it got the traveling ban and things like that. But it affected me. Well, it made me leave a couple of, couple of days later or a week later. And I got to get a COVID test tomorrow morning. So it got to be 72 hours, less than 72 hours before I get there. Mm-hmm. And I got to go in a week quarantine. So it definitely affected us in ways. And I think we're going to start the season without any fans at first and see how it goes and progress into that. So it definitely affected me in a small way, but not not too much. Yeah. Has your has your preparation for next season changed at all? Like preparing to, 
to rely on your own energy or your teammates' energy now that you don't have stuff like the fans and, and definitely and I'm definitely a, a player that like to play with the fans and things like that. But at the end of the day, I love basketball and I haven't played in so long, so I'm just eager to eager to get out there with fans, without fans. It doesn't matter when a ball glove is go time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Sure. Um, well, shit. A big part about um, a big reason I started this podcast was to talk about all the things that are adjacent to basketball, like not necessarily just the opportunities that, that basketball affords us, whether it be people that you meet or, or, you know, opportunities that, that you get just through the, through those people. Um, but kind of, especially basketball players right now, a big part of today's society is kind of athletes using their platforms to address all the social issues and everything that's going on in the world, which is a, a fuck ton right now. Right. Um, for sure. I know you've been involved in, in some efforts behind the black lives matter movement, um, can you touch on some of the ways that you kind of been involved in, in fighting the social justice fight? Uh, yeah, so me and my uh, me and my childhood friends, we have a, a foundation, a nonprofit foundation, and um, it's on Instagram. It's called the the Goods Foundation. Goods with a Z, not an S. So Goods Foundation, and it's just my guys from we've been together since middle school, and. We just put on a we put on a lot of events. We have cookouts. We have a a school drive where we give out book bags and like school supplies at the beginning of the year, just to bring the community together. Um, and we did a peaceful protest in our city, and we had our 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 signs and you know cars drove by, and we we trying to bring awareness to to what's going on in the world. I mean, I feel like being a black man in America, we all uh, have some seen some type of racism or you know some type of injustice so just to to bring awareness to, to show that we're black and you know being black isn't a crime and we want to stop in racism so yeah definitely yeah yeah no doubt and have have there been um any thoughts to kind of kind of take that to a larger scale to where like you start to to organize stuff within your town in virginia but you know kind of collaborate with other cities, uh, other other towns, other states. Right. Yeah. We actually we're actually working working with uh, some guys from Norfolk and Virginia Beach, trying to put something else together for the city as well. So we're definitely staying active and trying to do more as we can. Uh, but I feel like we you, you gotta take care of your community first. So you gotta bring yeah. awareness. You can't change the world without changing where you're from first. So yeah. if we if everybody try to change where they're from, their hometown and in their backyard we can do it collectively. Yeah, and how have you, have you felt the impact that you've had on your city? Like, how have you felt that your, that your city and everyone, everybody from where you're from has kind of bought into what you guys are doing? I mean, I feel like they, you know, it, it went well. Things didn't, didn't get bad here. People, people in my town aren't, you know, that racist, I guess, it, it, even if you can say that, like, I don't even know yeah. what that means, that racist, but yeah. it, it's not too bad here. But like I said, it's not just about being here, it's about everywhere, so. You know, that's what we got to change. Yeah. Okay. For sure. For sure. And uh, kind of what was your, what was you guys thinking behind, you know, obviously with the events, everything that's going on in the world and kind of the, the George Floyd incident that sparked it. Um, what was your thinking behind something, behind starting something like this? Was it always something that you guys wanted to do for your community? Did the George Floyd thing kind of escalate it? Um, why right, why was something like this? George Floyd for sure escalated for sure. And then the Black Lives movement that shouldn't be a movement, should be a way of life. Yeah. 
Yeah, just seeing everything that's going on in the, in the world right now, just like we, we had to do something. We had to, to speak up and stand up for ourselves to let people know like being black isn't a crime and we're black and we're proud. So, you know, and I feel like they the people out here really took it with a the great grain of salt and, you know, and they, they responded to it in a good way. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Um so before I let you go, uh, I've seen through social that you're kind of in the process of launching, you know, amongst other things, your own merch and apparel brand, um, understand the brand. So kind of tell us a little bit about the story behind that and why you think now is a great time to try and get something like that off the ground. Uh, I just feel like I'm, I'm in a time now where, you know, being at the, the level I'm at that a lot of people ask me like, yo, do you have anything we want to support? We want to do this at third. So. Now I'm definitely going to launch my merch probably next coming month or so. And I'm not trying to whack nobody in the head. Not all the expensive prices are going to be affordable for everybody. Uh, it's going to be cool stuff that I wear on the court, off the court, and things like that. Just trying to get back to my community, get back to my people. Yeah, yeah. I had this uh, a conversation with Jerry. I'm sure you know all about his Grow Forever uh, brand. Yeah, go for, Grow 4, G4 for sure. Definitely. Yes, it's a great brand. Um, how has... You know, and I was talking to him kind of about how he uses stuff like that to, to shape his his mindset. Is there like a, a theme behind, you know, what you're what you're kind of start, what you're kind of trying to push? Uh, I mean, just I just want to inspire, bro. That's, that's, that's my biggest thing, inspire. I feel like we all we all have been inspired by something and we're we're, we're inspiring others as well. So I just want to inspire the youth that oh, you can do it. I'm from a small town in Suffolk that. You know, not too many pros make it out of here. Suffolk, Virginia, nobody knows where that is on the map. You know what I'm saying? So I just want to show these kids that I'm from here and you can do it too. I did it from here and you can do it as well. So it's more just a community thing. And if it grows bigger than that and they take it in Europe and, and run with it, that's that's great. But I just want to inspire my community. Yeah. Show the kids that, you know, you're from Suffolk and you can do it as well. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, I mean, uh, for everybody that's interested, y'all can tap in with Shannon on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and at Hollywood underscore XI. Uh, and Shanna, is anything else you want to say to the people? Man, I appreciate you for coming on. Uh, anything else that you got to say? Uh, no, just be kind to others, man, and treat people how you want to be treated. No doubt. No, I appreciate doubt. you. I appreciate you for having me up here today. Appreciate you for coming on, man. This has been the Basketball Adjacent Podcast uh, with Shannon Evans. I'm your host, Gerald Smith, uh, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and tune in to the Basketball Adjacent Podcast on your favorite audio platform or always on Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Interested in advertising on the Basketball Adjacent Podcast? Hit me up on any social platform at at Gerald H. Timms. That's at sign J-E-R-R-O-L-D-H-T-I-N-S. And stay tuned for updates on bi-weekly episodes and what to expect next. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.